Hello, friends, and welcome to episode number 179 of Bad Flips and Maple Dips. It's Patrick here in Halifax, Nova Scotia. He's Justin Anderson in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. It is 1 a.m. my time. Uh, we just finished watching the finale of the Yankees and Blue Jays. Justin, how are you feeling right now? Uh, I feel split. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, yeah, this was, it, it was an interesting experience, uh, staying up just to get something in the can for Good Friday. Enjoy your Easter long weekend, everybody. We'll be back Monday with another episode. Um, I guess since it's now in this episode, if that's a full commitment. Uh, we can't back out now. Um, Lots of interesting things to discuss today. We're going to recap the Yankee series. We're going to talk about a couple things that happened in the news, not a lot. And the thing I'm really excited to talk about today, quite frankly, is the fact that tomorrow is a big day for baseball, uh, as is every April the 15th, now until time eternal. We're going to talk about the great Hall of Famer, Jackie Robinson. Yeah. Um, Justin, when you, just right off off the bat, what do you think of when you think of Jackie Robinson? Perseverance. The guy. God, I love that word. The guy battled through hate, literal hate, like just pure yeah. hatred to break into baseball, to be the first non-white person to play Major League Baseball, and it was only seventy-five years ago. Crazy. That's it. <laughs> it is crazy, uh, but we're going to talk about Jack Robinson, his career a little bit today. It's worth highlighting because of Jackie Robinson Day. Uh, one of my favorite days uh, of the schedule. Everybody's going to wear number 42. I think that's what they do. They do. Everybody wears number 42, uh, which is cool. So check that out. If you like what we do, follow us on Twitter at BFMD Podcast. We're on Anchor, Apple, Spotify, Google uh, Podcasts, uh, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Stitcher, TuneIn, and a whole bunch more. Mm-hmm. Website, bfmdpodcast.com. Send us a question. We like interacting with our fans. Please send us a question. Um, Please. That sounded a little desperate, but that's okay. <laughs> Uh, thanks for taking the time to listen to the episode right off the hop. Let's talk about a couple pieces of news. Nothing really that interesting. Um, take it from here, Justin. For sure. Yeah. Uh, obviously we know that, uh, the machine Albert Pujols is back in a Cardinals uniform, turning back the clock to like the early mid two thousands. Um, he, he hit a home run the other day and the whole stadium just went berserk. It's great to see Albert, uh, still going. The full-time DH has kept his career alive for at least day by day, I guess you could say. It's hard to say how long he'll last. This is going to be his last year. It's got to be a swan song. Yeah. There's no freaking way that this is going to go, past this year right like this has to be his last year it's definitely yachty's last year yeah and it's yachty definitely, and Wayno. uh yeah Wayno's last year they're all gonna i mean albert's together. 42 he needs 20 home runs to get to 700 he has he, he hit 23 back in 2019 but for him to hit enough that he hit so i guess he hit 17 last year and only 296 plate appearances so if he gets 400 plate appearances there's a chance but he's got to get 200 he's got to get 400 play appearances somehow i don't know how that's going to happen i don't think they can even let him dh that often i don't know hard to say does it even matter if he gets to 700? it doesn't it would just be fun to see but yeah yeah he um, hasn't let the league in home runs or rbis or runs or any <laughs> batting metric since uh 2010 yeah and it doesn't matter it really doesn't matter this is what happens to every player um, still one of the all-time greats. He's absolutely a first ballot Hall of Famer. Yep. Um, get that man into the Hall of Fame. He, he can't get in there fast enough. And Yachty will be first ballot as well, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. 
Um, we talked about this before, and and I think I'm I'm I I'm fully in the Yachty first ballot. Uh, Wayno probably not. That's okay. Yeah. Um, um, Clayton Kershaw was dealing yesterday. Speaking of guys who are aging, but Kershaw's still only 34. He just battled through some injuries last year, but uh, he was throwing a perfect game through seven innings. Patrick Marsh and was that yeah. 80 pitches. It was Kershaw's first start of the season. The weather was kind of cold in in, uh, in Minneapolis, and Dave Roberts made the decision to pull him after seven innings in a perfect game. Um, Kershaw said after the game that he thought it was the right move. Uh, Dave Roberts' quote said, I'd like to think we're all fans of baseball. I know I am. Fans want to see great moments. I absolutely understand that but I can't manage with my fan cap on. That's a pretty good quote. Um, Jeff Passan, who is known for murdering people on Twitter, uh, took a rare L yesterday. He said this, if it's a no-hitter, whatever, yank him. Clayton Kershaw has already thrown one. But there have been more than 220,000 games in MLB history. There have been only 23 perfect games. Everything especially a pitch count of 80 is lining up to at least let Kershaw try. You cannot pull him. That was actually right before he was pulled that that was tweeted out. Uh, but yeah, that's a, a rare L from, from Wef Wasson. I'm just, I'm surprised. I'm surprised at that take and I'm surprised at all the takes of like, keep him in. I'm not surprised though. Like that's, that's fans talking. Right, like fans want to see perfect games. There have been twenty-three perfect games ever. There have been more uh, four home run games in Major League history, I believe, than there have been perfect games. Um, it's it's a pretty crazy it's a crazy feat. It's 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 I think it's the hardest thing to do in an individual game is throw a perfect game. Yep, uh, and I think in my lifetime there's only been a handful. Uh, yeah, I think we've had lots of no hitters recently, but. Not perfect games. Yeah. In my lifetime, like I was alive for Dennis Martinez's perfect game in mm-hmm. 1991 and every perfect game since then, which yeah. is not, I don't think there's that many. Uh, just going through the list. Like, um, since 19, Kenny, since Dennis Martinez, Kenny Rogers, Kenny Rogers, David Wells, David, Wells. David Cohn, I saw the David Wells one, Randy Johnson, saw, Mark Burley. I, I remember. One. Saw that one. Dallas Braden, Roy Halladay. Remember that one? Yep. Yeah. Um, Philip Humber, Matt Cain, King, King, King Felix, King Felix was the last one, and that was in 2012. Yeah, which is pretty crazy. Somebody so said it's been something about how we we can go decades without uh, seeing one in. We're we're in a decade now, but there yeah. there hasn't been the longest stretch without a um, perfect game was catfishes uh, in '68, and then Len Barker in '81, mm-hmm. uh, and then before that it was Charlie Robinson in 1922, and then Don Larson's infamous uh, World Series perfect game, the only perfect game in World Series history. Yep, and that one was caught by the Yogi. Yogi was. Berra. Yeah. Yep. But uh, but Kershaw didn't get a chance, and I mean, I I, th- I think if it was say three weeks down the road, if it was like his fourth or fifth start of the year, they let him go for it. But because it was his first start of the year, it was cold outside. He was coming back after a year of forearm issues. You don't want to risk your one of your better pitchers in franchise history, maybe the best outside of Sandy Koufax, still maybe the best. Um. Yeah, for a perfect game in game number six of the season. So I get, I get the pull. Wish he would have let him try, but hey, it is what it is. We know Clayton Kershaw, what he's capable of, and he he proved he still got it. So hopefully he has a great season. Somebody said something. I don't know who this, if this was a tweet or where I saw it. I'm not exactly sure. It definitely wasn't from you. But uh, someone said something along the lines of, for such a rare feat, it's like you're pulling him for like a 0.1% increase in your chance to win a ring. And it's, I find that's such an L take. Like, yeah, it is bad. No. Yeah, like that's bad. Um, if you want to blame anything for this, blame the owners and blame Manfred for the shortened spring. 
Yeah. <laughs> all the all the starters, there's nobody is looking that great right off the hop. Uh, hitters and pitchers, nobody's really like coming out the gate looking like, you know, red, white, hot. Unless you're Danny Jansen, who immediately got hurt, and we'll talk about that later. Mm-hmm. It's not, I don't know, man. It's just like this is, we're basically still getting spring training baseball. <laughs> Although the standings it counts, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of shit. But you know what? Um, I don't know. It, it even if even if you took away Clayton Kershaw's no hitter, he's still a Hall of Famer. Still has the ring. Still has won Cy Youngs. He's still how many Cy Youngs has he won? Two. I think two. Yeah. Two or three. We got to look it up right now. While you look it up on your computer, I'll tee up the next, the next thing we're going to talk about, which is another Dodger great, uh, the man who broke barriers and changed baseball forever in 1947. Jackie Robinson. How many perfect games you got? Um, or sorry, how many Cy Young? Three. Three Cy Young. And okay. an MVP. And a pitching triple crown. <laughs> and a gold glove. <laughs> Goddamn. <laughs> Let's talk about it. Jackie Robinson. It all started back in 1946 when Branch Rickey, the longtime Brooklyn Dodger manager, uh, wanted to, you know, change the game, look for a player uh, who played uh, in the Negro Leagues to to break that barrier. And he was looking for a guy, not only a a player who was great, but a player who wasn't going to fight back against very clear injustice that was going to happen. So Branch Rickey goes with Jackie Robinson. Jackie goes to Montreal in 1946 and plays there. And he's lauded as a hero. Uh, pretty quickly, the Montreal fan base got to him, and I think uh, Jackie Robinson once said something anecdotally about how that was the first time he was chased around uh, a town by white people out of love <laughs> and not out of hate, which is kind of funny, but at the same time, kind of sad, yeah. kind of sucky. Um, breaks the color barrier in MLB in 1947, gets the call up, and of course. Uh, the big game, April the 15th, Major League debut. He's 28 years old. It's at Ebbets Field, which was pretty much holy ground in baseball for many years. Mm -hmm. Still fondly remembered by millions of New Yorkers to date. Um, He did walk and score a run in that win, which was a Dodgers win. Um First player since 1884 to openly break the Major League Baseball color barrier. Uh, and it just changed everything. Um, interesting fact uh, that most people, they probably know about this. Uh, some player, there was some tension within the clubhouse. Some players did suggest that they would sit out rather than play alongside him. Uh, there was also... Uh, allegedly some kind of petition that was being passed around uh, some trade requests but we, we won't get into that it's not that important what does matter is that <laughs> uh, there's a, here's a quote by the manager Leo DeRocher of the, of the Brooklyn Dodgers I don't care if the guy is yellow or black or if he has stripes like a fucking zebra. I'm the manager of this team and I say he plays. What's more, I can say, or I say, can he make us rich? And if any of you cannot use the money, I will see that you are all traded. So, I mean, (laughs) obviously, uh, I mean, it's a good quote. I don't think it stood the test of time quite as well as we think. And apologies to anybody who's offended by anything uh in that quote there but be you know it's unbelievable how far we have come and how far we have yet to go when it comes to breaking the color barrier but but there it is man right off the bat 
uh, the adversity, the perseverance was all there. The hate that surrounded Jackie Robinson from the very start, uh, the pressure on him. It's crazy to think of how intense it must have been for him. And he played like an absolute fucking champion. Uh, any thoughts at all uh, on the on you know 1947 in particular before uh, Jackie really broke out, won the Rookie of the Year, MVP, and the Dodgers started winning playoff games? Thoughts? Yeah, it's it's crazy how much of an impact he had immediately. Obviously, he was 28 and was a star before he came to Major League Baseball. But yep. this is a guy that uh, I mean. We've all watched 42 at this point. People who are probably listening to this show have probably all seen it. It's it's a great portrayal, yeah. I think, of just the what you just mentioned with the the quote from Branch Rickey about trading players and just kind of the the hatred that he was facing from most fan bases, including his own at the beginning. Um, it's just it, it's insane to me that with all of the off field distractions and I mean in baseball off-field distractions have a way of making themselves known on the field because off the field is people yelling at you in, in your stadium. <laughs> um, yeah. and, and the fact that he was able to overcome that and, and just be a legend for basically 10 years uh, because obviously he came in at 28, so he was his career was pretty much half over at that time. But the fact that this guy came in and was just an absolute legend and was able to play through the hatred and, and really blaze a trail for players we have today. Like without Jackie Robinson, there's no Vladimir Guerrero Jr. playing baseball. Without yeah. Jackie Robinson, there's no Teoscar Hernandez. There's never a David Ortiz. There was never a Manny Ramirez. There's never a Barry Bonds that would be playing baseball today. So it's it's pretty crazy the the impact that that one person um not giving in to probably what he wanted to do is just go beat the crap out of all those people yeah. with his bat. I would have, <laughs> I, I, I don't, I couldn't have put up with what he did. So, I mean, kudos to him for that because I mean, I, I've got, I've got lots of stories. I'm, I'm white, man. I, I can't, uh, I can't really comment on being discriminated against. It's never happened to me before, but I've had lots of friends who have told me stories of things that have happened to them. And it's crazy that things are still going on in today's day and age that were happening 75 plus years ago when Jackie came into the league. So I all mean, the it's more crazy. reason that a day like April the 15th is so, so important. important. Yep. And here we are celebrating it. Very excited. Robinson had such a tremendous career. Yeah. The Dodgers for decades were, I mean, their nickname were the bums. They were called Dem bums. Yep. Uh, and they were, you know, the third best team in New York City uh, for a long time. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, Jackie on the scene with players like Pee Wee Reese, Ralph Branca, uh, Roy Campanella eventually, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, all joining the team. Uh, the Dodgers started winning. And uh, even though there were some heart, there was some heartbreak, like uh, 1951, the Bobby Thompson home run, the shot heard around the world that ended the World Series, the, yep. the, the Giants winning the World Series then. Uh, they did get their title uh, in 55. Jackie was there. Yep. Uh, the following year, or no, yeah, the following year they lost in Game 7 in, of the World Series 1956 to, uh, to the Yankees, of course. <laughs> uh, and actually... I don't know if this is true. This is on Wikipedia. I think this might, I don't know if this is bullshit or not, but apparently the Dodgers had traded Robinson to the New York Giants uh, for Dick Littlefield in cash, but it wasn't completed because Robinson had agreed uh, to quit baseball or he was like done. Yeah. Uh, which is, wow. I mean, he went out on his own terms. Power to him. Hall of Famer, uh, career batting average of 313 which is incredible i mean he put up 57 war in 10 years yeah from age 28 to age 37 he was worth yep. 4.2 war at age 37 that's bonkers 
six-time All-Star, World Series champion, NL MVP, Rookie of the Year, batting champion in 49, yeah. uh, stolen base leader in 47 and 49. The man was just a lethal force on the base paths uh, in his peak. Uh, first ballot Hall of Famer. Also served uh, for two years in the military uh, during the Second World War. Yep. Uh, just, there's, I mean, you could go look him up. It's just you know, if you want to check out the movie 42, which stars the late Chadwick Boseman, uh, that's probably where you really uh, you want to learn a little bit more mm -hmm. uh, about what he experienced uh, post after his baseball life. He was still a prominent figure and obviously a very important uh, figure uh, in the decades to come when it came to the civil rights movement. Uh, yeah, I mean, died. Uh, quite young, passed yeah. away in uh, 1972 at the age of 53. His wife uh, is still alive, uh, still. Yeah, Rachel's uh, 99. <laughs> She'll yeah, be 100 she's in still July. delivering the message. Yeah. Uh, a lot of great stuff is actually in Ken Burns' baseball, too. I've been recently watching my way through that. Um, definitely check it out. Check out, uh, you know, Rachel Robinson has, has done thousands of engagements mm -hmm. talking about Jackie. Um, there's just, there's a lot of, of history worth checking out when it comes to Jackie Robinson. Obviously that statue, you can see that in Jersey city. Yep. Um, there's just, there's so much, um, legend of the game and really enjoy, enjoy Friday, enjoy the baseball games tomorrow. Enjoy the fact that every game, every broadcast is going to celebrate Jackie Robinson. Yeah. One of the best of all time ever to play the game. Pretty much could play anywhere, but really I guess I guess he's known for being what I guess I guess it's the first and second base. I mean he's not he was everywhere. Yeah, mostly first and second. But uh yeah, yeah. April fifteenth is my favorite regular season day in baseball. Um it's always cool. I to like see that in the 42. Clemente day. Yeah, that's a great day too. In September. Yeah, but uh, uh, the more they celebrate this stuff, keep the memory alive of of, uh, of Jackie. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, seventy five years. All there is to say, folks. Yep, okay. there's still lots of work to do, but hopefully we can get there. Um, let's talk Blue Jays. Here we go. So, the Blue Jays just wrapped up a series in New York. It was four games against the Yankees, and we're able to come away with a split, despite being shut out in both the games that they lost. We'll talk about that. Before this series, in our last episode, we talked about Denny Jansen hitting the IL with an oblique strain. Um, it is now known that, uh, per, Charlie, per Charlie Montoyo, Arden Zwilling tweets out that the Blue Jays are expecting to be without Denny Jansen for several weeks. Yeah. Montoyo says the club plans to play matchups going forward with, with its catchers, but Alejandro Kirk obviously stands to receive the bulk of the playing time. Um, not a great thing when your backup catchers are Zach Collins and Tyler Heineman, who's been called up as well too. So they're still running with three catchers for some, who knows why reason Kirk's yeah, not going to get no much choice. DH time because he's going to be catching. So I think they should just keep two catchers, but that's just me. Um, Hazel may also, if you missed game three of the series, we'll talk about what happened in that game. But, uh, Teoscar Hernandez also tweaked his left oblique. Um, he's going to go on the IL. If you remember correctly, he had the same injury at the end of the 2020 season. He was able to come yep. back in just 10 days. Teo says he's uh, uh, it's not as bad as first thought for the Blue Jays. So he is on the 10-day IL, but uh, hopefully it'll be something minor and he can come back in 10 or so days. I'd hope for two weeks would be a good timeline on that. You don't want to rush a guy back from oblique injuries because Aaron Judge dealt with that a few years ago, I think back in 2019, and he was out multiple times throughout the season. So you just hope that he gets healed up. Lucky enough, it is obviously only seven games into the year. So it's uh, if there's a time to be injured and still being able to contribute this season, it's, it's now. Better now than at the end of September. Um... Blue Jays have glass obliques, Patrick. What do you think about that? I don't Two know, injuries man. in about four games. The same same thing. I mean, obviously, it's not ideal. No. Uh, it's not what you want. No. Uh, 
I think the more devastating one is Teoscar Hernandez. We really need his bat. He helps to lengthen the lineup, and yeah, he's an elite time. hitter. Um, they're both they both really hurt though. Uh, yeah, but again, Daniel's off to a good start too. As long as the Jays are are five hundred or better by the end of May, this team is pretty much on pace to do what it's supposed to do. Agreed. Uh, it's it sucks early in the year to lose games you feel like you should win. But you're also going to win games you feel like you might not win. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Four. I'll I'll take the split. I'll take you know the injuries suck. This was going to happen. Lots of players are going to get hurt early in the year this year. It's the way that it is. It's the shortened spring. Uh, it'll be okay. Uh, Tail probably guy. I think he said two weeks max. So ten day yeah. IL. Uh, or fifteen day IL. Whatever they're forced ten. to do. 10 days 10 he'll be back in 10 days hitting guaranteed danny you heard like it here first. A bit longer patrick is a patrick's a certified physician so i'm sure yeah, he's no right. no i'm not <laughs> but uh that means that tasker hernandez is going to miss a minimum of eight games uh including the game that happened tonight so only seven more games um yeah hopefully yeah let's Let's hope the team stays afloat. They got a lot of tough games. April is extremely tough. It's probably the toughest month for them schedule wise. For sure. Um, uh, yeah. And I don't know about Let's you, about games, but though. I didn't. I didn't have this series having only twenty runs total scored over four games. I thought it would be a much higher scoring than that. But three of the games, Patrick March ended in shutout. Uh, game one, the Blue Jays shut out the Yankees three to nothing. Alec yeah. Manoa was electric. He through six innings, only gave up one hit. He did walk four batters, including three in one inning to load the bases, but was able to yep. get out of that jam and struck out seven in the game. It was the site of his MLB debut last year where he did something very similar. In the game, George Springer had three hits, as did Santiago Espinal and Teoscar Hernandez. Springer drove in all three runs for the Blue Jays, including a two-run home run. That was the difference in that one. Romano was able to get the save there. Um, Malik Manoa, man, this guy, there was so much talk about, oh, will he have that sophomore slump? He doesn't seem like the type of guy who's going to let any sort of like superstition or fear get creep in. He's just such a confident guy. And I feel like even if he has a bad outing, which we saw a couple of times last year, he's able to bounce back and fix the problems. So what do you think of Manoa on that one? He's going to be our ace when the contracts for Gosman and Barrios are done. He's going to be a J. Might not even take time. that long. <laughs> he's no, uh, probably not. But I mean, like he's, he's got incredible. Everything. Yeah. Uh, he. This was the start quality start we needed to see. First uh, one of the season the rotation. <laughs> yeah. It was tough. The first series was tough. Uh, didn't get that much better during the Yankees uh, series, if we're being honest. But we'll talk about each individual game. The walks are a concern, but everybody's walking everybody more. So Yeah, really... and I mean, three of them, like we said, were in one inning, right? So, I mean, yeah. he was able to work around that. Um, Adam, Adam Simber. Simber. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, from he, the this top guy. rope. Yeah, so Trevor Richards had a rough go. He walked one and gave up a hit to start the seventh inning before Simber came in and bailed him out with a ground ball double play. It was a beautifully turned double play. Um Simber pitched five outs in the game, including a strikeout, did not allow a base runner before Romano made things a little interesting with a couple of hits, but he was able to get a ground ball for a clutch double play as well, too, that was turned yeah. uh, by, nicely by, by uh, Espinal and Bo and Vladdy on the receiving end. So the Jays were able to get that win there. Um, game two was a different story. So the Yankees turned around. They showed up the Blue Jays four to nothing. George Springer had a couple of more hits in that one. With Bichette, Hernandez, and Chapman all hit in, in chipping in, the Jays on the end up with five hits total. Uh, Yusei Kakuchi made his Blue Jay debut. Things looked okay. He was having some adventures. He did walk two batters, gave up five hits. Only uh, two of the three runs he gave up were earned. The Jays did have some defensive miscues. Uh, he did, did give up a home run in there as well. He only lasted three and a third. Uh, after Kikuchi, things were pretty settled. They brought in Anthony Kay to pitch the eighth inning. He was ended, he ended up going two innings. He did give up a run on a walk and a couple of hits. But by that point, the Jays hadn't done anything offensively. So the game was kind of, I wouldn't say over, but not 
looking like it was going to be a win. Kikuchi, Patrick, this is a guy that you wanted the Blue Jays to get ever since last year sometime. Yeah. What did you think the first start? Wasn't good. <laughs> um, it's the it, it's the cutter. Yeah. I don't, I don't understand. I said this before. I said this before the season even started. Ditch the cutter, man. His cutter, if you look at his, the back half of the year last year, yeah. his cutter got the crack kicked out of it. This one was the, the slider, and this one was getting lit up. It's, I don't know, man. He's got to throw the fine. fastball more. Um, Chris Black, at Down to Black on Twitter. We've referenced his stuff before. He contributes a little bit to Sportsnet, but he uh, he posted a nice thread on Kikuchi's game and talked about how he, th- he none of the fastballs that he threw were put in play. Uh, mostly because he uses it early in the count and throws it away from righties on the outside corner. But he throws 96 or 97 from the left side, and they weren't able to touch the fastball. So I feel like he's, he's got a – Chris's the, the kind of the thesis or the statement at the end of his thread was, trust your velocity. I mean, you're, you're throwing 97 from the left side. There's not many lefties that are throwing that hard, unless you're Raldis Chapman, who we can talk about a bit in the, when we get to game four. But uh, – Man, like throw the fastball. What are you afraid of? I don't get it. But I think he's afraid of being taken for a ride. But he ended up giving up a home run anyway on the so... slider. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, he's so got work to do. He's got they some work do. to do. Yeah, he's got some work to do. So that was a four nothing loss. To the Jays even in the series at one. Game three went on uh, Wednesday night, uh, with Jose Brios looking to bounce back. He was able to, to do so and through four innings, was absolutely cruising, got into a lot of trouble in the fifth. He gave up back-to-back dingers to Rizzo and Judge, then gave up doubles to, I think, Donaldson and LeMahieu. So it was four straight extra base hits to give up three earned runs. That was the end of his night. He did walk three batters. There were some close pitches. The umpiring in this series was absolutely atrocious, by the way. We'll, we're waiting to see Pat Holberg's scorecard tomorrow from at umpire score, um, scorecards because he was... Hot garbage tonight. Um, the Yankees in the in in the game two were actually favored by a one point seven eight runs according to umpire scorecards. We still lost four to nothing, so it wouldn't have mattered. But um, some crazy bad calls going against the Jays for the most part. But Barrios was able to go five innings, only give up three runs. Simber, Garcia, Richards, and Romano combined for four innings of one run ball. Vladdy Guerrero was the true story in this game, Patrick. He was uh, four for four, his, and more importantly, he had his, had his second career three-home run game, two coming off Garrett Cole, one that Aaron Hicks had in his glove for half a second over the center field wall but then dropped it. Um, the other one hit the Blue Jays' back wall in their bullpen on a 98-mile-an-hour pitch that was about three, four inches on the off the inside of the plate. And then the third one was into the second deck in left field, an absolute rope. Um, yeah, that was a that was a crazy game for Vladdy. He was asked if that was one of the best games of his career, and he said his quote was, uh, "It was it's it was one of them." Was, I'll just add it to the list. <laughs> <laughs> Love that uh, Vladdy's got some confidence this year. He yeah, powered the Blue Jays' way. offense uh, with Springer and Chapman contributing the other RBIs. So Blue Jays won that game three. Six to four with Simber picking up the win after another clean inning. It was a bounce back for Barrios. Obviously, it it wasn't perfect. He got roughed around in the in the fifth, but it was good to see him have four really good innings before that fifth inning. Were were you at least optimistic after that uh, Barrios start that he can turn things around here in April? Uh, I mean, I do think he can turn things around, but that start what didn't make me optimistic. I mean, guys. The guy, the Yankees saw him for the third time and they lit him up. Yeah, it's uh, not good. You need to be able to turn the lineup over at least three times if you're a starter. You want to get, yeah, you want to get halfway through that third turn, ideally in the sixth inning. <laughs> yeah, this has been a disastrous start to the season for Barrios. However, um, you just got to be. It's bad. It, it is bad. It's bad. Uh, his his but... next start will be against Houston, so it doesn't really get any easier either. It's not going to get any easier, and he's going to need to to shape up. I mean, what else can we say? If he continues to struggle, he's probably going to 
get dropped down. Well, I mean, you can't even drop you him can't down. Can't drop him down. There's nowhere to do that. Nothing it's, we can do. He's he's gonna it, figure it. He'll be fine. He's got a track record. He'll have to figure it out. The he best has no pitchers in the American League. So. Figure it out. I've got yeah, nothing but faith in him to uh, get it sorted and turned around. And Garrett Cole has been dog shit since the start of the year too. Like, I mean, really outside of Vladdy, he was pretty good. <laughs> um, Vladdy uh, just. Vladdy's well, yeah, his daddy. Um, Garrett Cole yeah. also, uh, on Vladdy's doubled on the line, he tipped his cat to him because it was a pitch that was off the outside of the plate and Vladdy just muscled it into the right field corner. So, Yeah, um, it's impressive. Uh, yeah. It was a great game for Vladdy. Uh, yep. A little annoying the very next game for, for Yankees <laughs> we'll, fans we'll talk to be about that. cheering overrated. Yeah. Uh, okay. It's I Yankee mean, fans, understand. Patrick. Don't give in to the trolls, man. I know you like to do that sometimes. <laughs> I don't know. They, I, I get it. They're dumb, but uh, whatever. Let's yeah. talk about this stupid-ass game we watched tonight. Yeah. One one tweet from Vlad, or from Jeff Passan. He redeemed himself here. He says, uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. walked into Yankee Stadium, faced the highest-paid pitcher in history, launched 1,286 feet worth of home runs and left the stadium with a W and a share of first place for Toronto. King maneuver. Yep, very true, Jeff Passan. Yeah, um, that's a good take. Game four, this is one of the first times we've ever done this, I think, Patrick, where we, we kind of we sat on our mic the whole time and just watched the game and, and chatted about it as it was happening. Wasn't the wasn't our best uh, the best game we could have watched, but it certainly was interesting <laughs> towards the end. Uh, Kevin Gosman started this game, Patrick, and was absolutely carousing. Uh, he went five and two thirds in the end of it, gave up a couple of hits to start the, uh, or in the middle of the sixth inning, and they went to the pen, which was a good call because Tim Meza is lights out. But uh, he ended up giving up six hits, two earned runs that really weren't his fault. There was a couple nope. of defensive miscues that weren't enough to be scored errors. That allowed those two runs to come in. He walked zero and struck out nine. His splitter was dynamite. He made Giancarlo Stanton look like an absolute fool on a couple of splitters that he just way or a couple of sliders that he just lazily waved at before he got him on the splitter yeah. on the next pitch. Um, Kevin Gosman is absolutely filthy. That splitter is just elite. It's going to be very fun watching him for the next five years as a Blue Jay. Um, Tim Meza came in and struck out, or got Gallo to strike out as well too on an outside fastball that was just painted. Um, Gallo swung right over the top of it. David Phelps had a bit of a shaky inning, but got through it. And then Julian Merriweather ended up giving up an earned run in the in the eighth. But uh, it didn't matter because the Blue Jays didn't score. Patrick, they were 0 for 9 with runners in scoring position, and they left 11 men on base. Vladdy, who was coming off a of 4 for 4 night, decided to keep the theme of 4s going. He was 0 for 4, but he got the golden sombrero, which for you, who those of you who don't know, is means he struck out four times in a game. Um, the Jays didn't really manage anything. Bo had a double in the first inning. Kirk had two hits. And then it all kind of went downhill until the ninth inning when the Yankees brought in Araldis Chapman, who was lights out in game two. Um... And he decided that he didn't want to throw strikes today. We were not sure if he was maybe dealing with some sort of blister. He kept licking his fingers, wiping them on his pants. He just seemed like he couldn't get a grip on the baseball. He could yeah. not throw his fastball for his strikes. He was throwing sliders on almost every pitch. I think we counted. He, he actually threw, I think, about it was like three or four balls in the zone to the three batters that he faced, and he walked them all. He walked... Uh, he walked uh, Biggio, he walked Espinal, and then he walked Matt Chapman, who pinch hit for Bradley Zimmer. But then they went to Michael King, who has been a Blue Jay killer. Uh, he managed to get Springer out, uh, and then uh, there was a nice little ground into a double play, to, or a line out into the double play by Bo Bichette, yeah. uh, who kind of flared one over second base. LeMahieu makes the catch, and then got Chapman doubled up at first. So it's just a... It was a real roller coaster of emotions in that ninth inning. We were kind of anticipating something dramatic, and it turns out it was dramatic. It just wasn't the way we wanted it to end. <laughs> yeah, this was a really this was disappointing. Uh, yeah, it from, was. From it was a, a shitty way to lose a game. <laughs> I was pleased with the Goswin start. Uh, so those pleased. runs are absolutely not his fault. They are one hundred percent the fault of Espinal and Biggio. Espinal or, and Guriel. Biggio did nothing wrong in this one. Or sorry, uh, Bichette actually was the one. He had the ball. Yeah, but yeah. Guriel 
could have caught that ball in left field and he decided to pull up two steps short and then it clanked off him and allowed the first run to score so yeah that was an l that was a huge L. It was three defensive miscues that only one of them, the Guriel thing, was scored in error because he allowed the runner to get to second base. So, uh, Bottom of the lineup, uh, so Biggio, Espinal, Zimmer, none of them had a hit. They did generate walks. That uh, 7, 8, 9 did generate four of the five walks, which is great. Springer 0 for 4, uh, Bo 1 for 5, uh, Disastrous start for Bo. Oh, for four after the first inning for Bo. That double uh, was the Bo, first. Bo has looked terrible at the plate. Yeah, he like looks a little bit, little bit lost. Worked. It's it's kind of concerning. It is. He does. He looks like he's confused of what sport he's playing. And then defensively, he doesn't look good at all. Yeah, he thinks he's playing cricket because he's trying to hit everything that's bouncing in the dirt. Um. Yeah, the, this lineup after Guerrero, it's it's. It's not looking too good. Espinal has, is starting to slump. Uh, Biggio had, doesn't have a hit yet this year. Uh, Chapman only has, I think, two. No, he has a few. Yep. Um, Zimmer doesn't have a hit this year. Tapia has one hit this year, or two hits this two year. Two hits I think. now. <laughs> uh, Guriel has like three, maybe. Yeah. Like three for 31 or 32. It's not the hitting isn't there, which is weird to say because we scored so many runs in the first series. But uh, th- this wasn't a great series for the Jays in any capacity. No, they scored nine runs in four games. Getting the split was like the minimum we needed in order to continue to tread water. Yeah. In the rally to try to stay above five hundred as long as possible until we can get our feet under us. They succeeded in that sense, but there's a lot of very concerning things happening with this team and I don't, I don't mean to be negative because i love this team very much and i do think they're capable of winning as many games as we think they are and it's early and also as long as you're 500 or better they can be 50 and 50 come game number 101 uh and they still very much have a chance at getting into the playoffs and, yeah. and even winning the division it's just the more that you lose games against the Yankees, the more you have to win later in the year, and we don't want that. We want to beat them now and later, really. But, I mean, this was tough. This could have been a winnable game. Uh, it could have been one or two nothing going into the ninth. And, you know, uh, that bow flare, maybe if he's a little bit more patient, gets a better ball to hit. Maybe the flare is, you know, a foot higher. Yeah, hard to say and then vladdy comes up to the plate and tries yeah. to redeem himself that's not what happened we don't deal on what ifs here nope we don't let's talk about the preview for the for next sure. series and we got some exciting news uh yesterday or, uh, yeah yes or well i guess by the time you listen to it it'll be two days uh at scotty mitch tsn ross stripling tells me he's now confirmed for friday start at home versus oakland Blue Jays hoping to give the rotation some extra rest with a six-man turn. Uh, but this is weird because it's right in the middle of the rotation. So Yeah, Ryu, but they're looking to give Ryu that extra day. Yeah, Ryu gets the extra day. Strips is going to go up against Dalton Jeffries. Uh, what do you hope to see from Strips? Yeah, it's it's. I'm just hoping that he can give them four innings. That's... That's all I want. They've got Trent Thornton who can come in and throw two or three, and hopefully you're you're winning. And then you can go to your good guys in the pen. Um, Garcia and Romano and Simber uh, did not pitch in this game today. Uh, and and Mays only three three, three pitches because so I mean. he dismantled Joey Gallo. So you've got <laughs> you've got all of your big guys fresh going into this weekend series, which is really what you want. Ideally, you would have won the the fourth game, obviously, but uh, here we are. But I, I like I like this move to go with the six men rotation. They do have the off day on uh, on Monday, so the Jays will give Ryu and Manoa both an extra day of rest this turn, and everybody else yeah. is going to get two extra days of rest because of the off day. So, yep. And then Ryu get Ryu and Manoa both get an extra day of rest the next time through. So it's it's a really good time to do this because not only do you give Ryu his preferred extra day of rest, especially earlier in the season, but then you can do it again the next time out without having to include strips. Obviously, if he pitches well, maybe you give him another shot next time because the the next series that he would be pitching in would be the Houston series, so who knows? 
how he how he does tomorrow but uh yeah we're we're not that far removed folks from stripling actually pitching some very good baseball yeah it's a it's a uh, it's a good move i think to do this now um this early in the season when we've seen starters struggle outside of manoa their first time out and gosman was pretty good the first time too but um definitely some some shake going on right now but uh yeah so the series has uh, three games with oakland it's back home in toronto tomorrow for i guess today now for people listening <laughs> for me it's still thursday night uh friday april 15th 707 eastern time start jackie robinson day it'll be dalton jeffries for oakland up against ross stripling jeffries has appeared in seven career major league games for a total of 22 innings his last time out, he was able to go five innings against Philadelphia um, for Oakland, and he gave up two hits, no runs, walked two, struck out two in those five innings. So he was very good. Um, so it'll be interesting to see as a 26-year-old righty. So he'll go up against Ross Stripling. In game yeah, number... let's oh, go ahead. Right quick, before we get into it, I just I do want to highlight a couple things. Obviously, we're a fan of strips because he came on our show, but. Um, his, I, w- I want to talk about his repertoire and maybe what our concerns may be moving forward. Um, he throws a four seamer, a slider, change up curveball. You can check all this out on pitcherlist.com. Stripsy has a profile there. Uh, obviously, it's early in the year, so you can't really look at what's happening last year. His best pitch is probably his change up, which, after he made those mechanical uh, changes to his delivery, uh, in 2021, working with Pete Walker, he had one of the better uh, change-ups in MLB uh, during that two-month period where he, he looked pretty damn good. Um, I'm excited to see him pitch, and I think this is the kind of the X-Factor game. Ryu versus Pete Blackburn, I feel, I don't know, I feel pretty good. The it's Oakland Paul does Blackburn, have a lot of by the way. Threats. Not Pete. Oh, sorry. I'm yeah. deliriously tired here. This is a chance for Ryu to kind of maybe do a little bit more. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about game three, though? Uh, I feel pretty Heat good up. about it. <laughs> um, just to, just to give people some context, too, for game two, uh, Paul Blackburn did really well against Tampa Bay in his first time out as well. He, he also went five innings, no runs allowed, three hits, one walk, and seven Ks. So... Oakland's rotation has started off the season pretty strong. Third game is Adam Oler, who, unlike the other two guys, or unlike Blackburn, really, is the only experienced guy, he made his first appearance in the major leagues his first time out. It was just also against Tampa Bay, and he got rattled. He got rocked. He was only able to get four outs in that game. He gave up five earned runs, five hits, three walks, and three strikeouts, and in, in just ending in the third. So... Uh, that's a game where you've got to kind of jump all over them. All three of these guys are right-handers. Uh, so you'll probably see Biggio. You might see Tapia and Zimmer get some playing time in the series. Maybe Zach Collins at catcher because they're all left-handed bats. And you'll see them get some playing time perhaps. But uh, yeah, you got to think Alec Manoa has the advantage in game three over Adam Oler. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's an Oakland team who's actually coming in hot. Patrick Marsh, they are four and three. Yep. I believe they lost their first three games of the year, and then they actually took three of or they took three games from Tampa. Even I don't <clears> even know they they were able to to do some winning, which is interesting because we Oakland was not expected to win many games this year, but they have the same record as the Blue Jays. Both teams are four and three. Um, so yeah, weekend series at Rogers Center. Saturday's game is at 3.07 Eastern time. And then Sunday is a, is a, is a 1.37. They used to be 1.07 for Sundays, but they've moved them back 30 minutes. So we'll have another episode coming to you Monday, as Patrick said. But Patrick, you got to think, got to take two to three this weekend, right? At the very least. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Enjoy that Sunday game, folks. Uh, with the early afternoon start, you'll be chewing on your, uh, your bunnies. Yep. Your chocolate bunnies, the uh, mini eggs. First home start for Alec Manoa of the season. So, very excited for that. Yeah, yeah. I'd say you got to take two or three. Uh, worth noting. I know it's early as fuck, but remember, 
Uh, right now, the Jays are still in first place in the AL East, along with the Rays and Yankees, who are all four and three. So nobody's really separating themselves from the pack right now. In fact, the Guardians and the White Sox are four and two, and the Astros are four and two, and the Athletics are four and three. So there you go. There's all your 500 teams. So the Jays yeah. are right there. No surprises. Uh, no team is really sort of elevating themselves every team in baseball has a win even baltimore and they've only scored 12 runs in six games so yeah i mean another <laughs> another food for thought the defending champions are three and five not really a lot of concern yeah mets are five and two they're it's the early. team that has the best technically the best record in baseball the padres are five and three uh rockies are four and two i mean it's just there it's so early that you're gonna see stupid stuff yeah um for as far as records go don't sweat it a split with the yankees good enough we do need to take this series though against oakland cannot afford to be swept yeah so but yeah that'll do it for us we'll come back on monday as it's the off day we'll tee up this series with houston uh the jays are gonna head down there take on the astros whose uh, city connect jerseys are actually super dope um maybe we'll talk about that on monday but uh space city the jays need a city connect jersey but uh what, what can yeah, we do? do but uh yeah anyway for patrick out in halifax it's justin here in saskatoon find us at bfmd podcast on twitter bfmdpodcast.com listen to us on uh, apple spotify anchor those are the big ones leave us a review if you can it helps us find more people it helps more people find us as patrick said the top two send us your questions get at us on twitter if you disagree with something we said let us know your thoughts we'll bring it up on the next show and we'll talk about it but that'll do it for us i'll let patrick get to bed and i'm gonna go uh do the same but we'll talk to you guys on monday have a great weekend go blue jays